Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. Today we're talking baseball, Rage Cajun baseball with Voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker. How are you this afternoon? I'm uh, I'm in withdrawal. You know, the first day I was glad to be home. The second day I was like, what do I do the rest of the summer? Yeah, it's really, it's really going to hit me, I think, this weekend. Yeah. When there's when there's no baseball, but it uh <sighs> Yeah, it, it's look, the end of the season is always difficult because it's the end of the season. Also, it's the end of the athletic season. Um, this one's going to take an extra couple of days for me, I think, than it normally does. Um, I think just because I got so attached to this team and these players and the parents of the players, it uh, it's going to take a little bit longer. Yeah, you know, I go back to the 2014 season and listening to you on the radio, and it never dawned on me at that time. After the at the super regional, the final game, the season was going to end for one of those two teams, and I said, "Oh shit!" Yeah, yeah, it. Uh, and I I said that uh, I said that Sunday, you know, but here's the thing that that I'm pleased about. You know, there there are teams whose seasons ended with, you know, 12 to nothing, 15 to two. We're in it till the last at bat. And, you know, I'm I'm glad that it came down to that. It hurts a little more, maybe. I, I agree but, with that. But it's um, you know, you you go down fighting right to the last pitch, and that's all you can ask of a team. And uh so I'm 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 proud of this bunch. Uh, you know, you heard my sign off at the end. I've never been so honored or privileged to be a part of something than I was this baseball team because that's a very very special group of young men uh, that had tremendous chemistry that genuinely love each other. And I was just glad that I was allowed to go along for the ride. You know, uh, I, I know you and I have talked about it, but you know. Uh... I've been going, not going back, when I say going back and forth, I mean, communicating with uh, Rob Schultz, Jacob Schultz's father, about last year's team was very special. As sure well. was. A different type of special. Mm -hmm. They kind of had a FU attitude. We're, we're going to take it at you. Not quite a total Degs team, but at the same time had something that they would go out and punch you in the face. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and, and but I'll take it one step farther. This was a Matt Deggs team. This, okay. th this team was a Matt Deggs team from the very first guy to the clubhouse managers to everybody else. This was a Matt Deggs team. And I told him this team has a heart, has heart. I don't know how to, otherwise how to explain it. And he sent me a message during the Sunbelt Conference tournament. He goes, you are absolutely so correct. Uh, I can see how they're playing the love for each other, the love of the game. Uh, it, 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 it was a, it was an amazing run. I won't say a great run, a great one. We'd be, we'd be waiting for a super regional this yeah. weekend. Yeah. But they, uh, this was a selfless bunch that, uh, that played for each other, played for the name across their chest. And uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the future because honestly, when it comes to chemistry, I am going to judge the future based on this team. I, I agree. And when, when you talk about chemistry, you talk about the guys at certain times of the year weren't always great, especially on the pitching staff, but stepped up when we needed them to step up. Yeah, you had a lot of guys who, who had some great individual performances at times that you really needed them, and some were in the field and some were on the mound. And um it, it's uh, like I said, the end of the season is always difficult. This one for me is a little more difficult than most. Let's just go back a little bit and talk about the Texas game. Not a whole lot, just kind of uh, you and I talked off air. Uh, and I made the statement, which uh, it was only five minutes ago, but reflecting back on it, I said that we were better than them, but I really think we were as good as them. On that particular day, I think so. You know, Mike Bollinger was the first one to tell me that there's a difference between losing and getting beat. You know, you don't ever want to go out and lose. 
but sometimes you get beat. And I think that's what happened with the Cajuns. Texas made two great defensive plays that cost the Cajuns anywhere from four to five runs. They made the plays to keep us from winning the game. And so I, I walked out of the ballpark that day with, with no regrets as far as coulda, woulda, shoulda. You know, I, they, I think the Cajuns did enough to win the game. Texas just wouldn't let them. And that, to me, is, is the definition of getting beat. And so when you get beat, you tip your cap, you move on. The Miami game was a little different in the sense of uh, they, they not so much on the defensive side of the ball, but on the offensive side of the ball, they definitely made the plays with the home runs, the long hits. And uh, with all respect to Dylan Cruz, who's a great player, Yo-Yo Morales is the best player I saw this year, uh, the third baseman for Miami. He is big league ready right now. And um, he just, man, what a ball player. What a ball player. I, uh, I was just so impressed with him. And, um, you know, He's a man. Oh, no, he's very much a man. And, you know, as far as the game is concerned, it was what it was. Um, like I said, you know, you're still one base runner away from bringing the winning run to the plate. And, man, you know, you're sitting there, I'm sitting there, and we're watching the at-bat, and and I got a I got an oppo base hit for Higgs that's going to score two runs and make it a one-run game. And then I got Julian hitting one out, and we're going to win. Uh, it didn't work out that way, but but it would but they were right there in both of those games. And so what that showed me was this particular team in 2023 could play with anybody, could play with anybody. They had wins over Coastal Carolina, three of them. They had a win over LSU, they had a win over Southern Miss, they had a win over Campbell, who was a top 15 team. And they played both of those teams up until the final out. So it tells me that this team was capable on any given day of beating anyone in America. Absolutely agree with you. You mentioned big league, so I'm going to ADD's kicking in, so I'm going to divert you real quick. What happened to your Dodgers last night? I have no idea. Oh, oh, did they did they lose to Cincinnati? Hell yes, they did. Okay, <laughs> I didn't I didn't even see I think, the score. I think they scored four in the ninth. The, the Reds did, or, okay. or at well, least two of them in the ninth. Well, you know, the, <laughs> welcome to the Dodger bullpen. <laughs> So, no, all right. Sorry, I just had to bring that up. Um, the main game. The main game. Oh, no, that's the name game. Never mind. Yes. The main game was something they took care of their business on a team that they were should have beat. Yeah. But at I, the same I, time, Maine was there for a reason. 19 runs is a lot of runs, dude. You know, and and I agree with you. You know, Maine earned their way into the tournament. Um. Their first baseman was a hell of a cool. Goodness gracious. So they're, um, but they had about one and a half pitchers. Yes. Okay. And when we knocked the guy out, the the bullpen, and, and those were two of their better bullpen guys. And, and it just, no, uh, Cajuns just, just punished them. Um, but that's good because that's what you want a team to do. They had 17 hits. Uh, they had three home runs. Uh, two of them were three run shots. It was uh, it, it was a, an overpowering performance, and it was good to see them go ahead and be able to do that because it it saved the front line bullpen arms for for the game against Miami. I don't think we talked in between the I know we didn't between the conference uh, tournament and uh, in in the regional Blake Mar Marshall's performance in the conference tournament. It's one of the best things I've ever seen, you know, 147 pitches over two games. Um, and it's one thing if Marshall had gone out and done that during the regular season, if he had gone out and thrown 80 pitches in a game or 75 pitches in a game, but he really hadn't, it, it, he hadn't had a lot of uh, long outings all year long. And for him to step up like that, I mean, that, that was just big time. I, you know, you gotta, you, you know, that goes back to something we said earlier that every once in a while you'd see a performance by somebody that you didn't really expect. That was some major onions right there. Uh, and, and um, you know, I, I hope that's a precursor of, of, of things to come for next year, because that was just an amazing double performance. 
JT efforts this last couple weeks, last month of the season. Yeah, you know what? He gave up a, a couple of home runs in the in the ninth inning in the Miami game. But you know, seeing him at James Madison when he when he hung a slider, the guy hit a walk off grand slam. He got um, he got control of that slider and it became a weapon for him, which is why the last couple three weeks he was who he was. Uh, you know, he's got the velocity, uh, th that capability, but you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to go ahead and command that second pitch. And he did. And, um, I think that that bodes well, uh, for the Cajuns for a year from now. Cause I, I think he's going to be one of the mainstays of the staff, uh, next year, of course, depending on who it is they bring in. Carson Fluno. Again, um, you know, at the beginning of the year, the coaching staff said that they looked upon Carson Fluno like they looked upon Bo Bonds, a guy that could come in in long relief and give you innings. And, in, and I think they found out that, that Fluno's makeup is better as a starting pitcher. And so once they moved him into that role, I thought he was pretty solid the entire time. And, um, and again, you know, it, it, depending on what happens with the draft, because, you know, all of a sudden in the last three weeks of the season, Nezu showed that, that he's draftable material. And I think Fluno is close to that as well. I'll be interested to see what happens with the draft next month. Yeah. Both of those players. I, I agree with you. I, I think they would benefit from another year of college, but at the same time, the money's there right now. They're well, not going to pass it. it up. That's it. They're, they're juniors. And so, yeah. you know, it could be a situation like a Heath hood, who got drafted, who didn't get drafted, but got offered some free agent money and turned it down to come back for his senior year. Um, but I'm, I'll be very surprised if, if Nezu especially uh, isn't drafted. And, you know, I think with the, with the thing at 20 rounds now, I think if you're drafted, you go. I agree. I, I don't think he, without hesitation. Um, Cooper Rawls. Cooper Rawls, I think, is the epitome of the guy who came in not real sure about a lot of things. When he bought in, he became a totally different pitcher and a totally different kid, I think. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for Cooper because when he bought in, it was... I will do whatever it takes. And then he did do whatever it takes and um, showed a tremendous amount of maturity. I think uh, morphed into one of the leaders of this team. And I think that, that he earned everybody's respect by the way he approached his senior season and the way that he came out and did it, um, you know, props to him. He came back from the fall, probably lost 20 pounds or, maybe not lost, but re-sculptured his body. He did. He worked, he worked very, very hard in the off season. In fact, in the fall, I didn't recognize him. Yeah. You, you look at his face on his picture and you're like, who is that kid? Yeah. And then, and then I think that he did even more sculpting after the fall and then was who he was uh, in the spring. But uh, no, no, this is a, this is a guy who didn't pitch that much as a junior, um, you know, was invited back, but not promised anything. And then came in and said, okay, here's what I've done. And by the way, I believe in you guys pointing at the coaching staff. Say, I, I'm totally in. I'm totally in on what you're doing. And I think it showed during that video that, that somebody took that showed Matt Deggs in the dugout hugging the players. He hugged Cooper Rawls longer than anybody else. Yeah. Um, I won't go there. I'll start yeah, tearing up again. Uh Dylan Toy. What a great quote. We love each other more than we love baseball. That one got me. All right. You know, Dylan, look, he, he tore his UCL. He's got one year of eligibility remaining. It would have been really easy for him to say, I'm going to go play golf. But, but he stayed, he helped out in the bullpen. He did whatever he could to help the team, even though he couldn't participate. And um, I was touched by the fact that, that his parents were at the conference tournament. They were at the regional 
because it's not like they were waiting for him to go in the game because that wasn't happening. Um, his mom told me that the plan is for Dylan to have surgery, to come back to school, start work on his master's. He won't play in 2024, but his plan is to finish his master's and play in 2025. Now, by that time, he'll be 24 years old. Um, but if he comes back healthy, totally healthy, he can be a real weapon two years from now. But his statement that we love each other more than we love baseball says everything about the chemistry of this team. David Christie. <laughs> Liked the way David nutted up when they asked him to a couple of times, you know, starting in, in that game in Baton Rouge. Um, toward the end of the season, there were a couple of times he got hit, but, um, you know, they, they asked him to, to come in and put out some fire um, in the game uh, against Maine because, uh, you know, they'd had a, a little shit and he just came in and just, just dominated his opponent. Uh, David is, uh, I'm going to be interested to see what role he plays next year. Because he's a guy that could start for you. He's a guy that could do long relief. And he's probably a guy who could be at the back end of the bullpen. I will be interested to see what role they ask him to play. Because whatever role it is, he's going to take it. Okay. But I'm going to be really interested to see what the, what the coaches perceive his role to be. I know we talked a little bit about Blake's performance in the uh, conference tournament. And he, he just physically couldn't go out in Miami, I don't think like he did, but at the same time, what he did in the conference tournament. We'll be talking about that for a long time. Yeah, We will. Look, you know, Blake Marshall, I mean, let's go ahead and put it succinctly. Blake Marshall pitched the Cajuns into an at-large bid. It, it, yes. Um, Jake Hammond. What a dude, man. What a dude. You know, there, there are just guys that you're going to remember because of character. And, uh, and, and, and preach had plenty of that. He was the, I think he was the alpha dog of all the alpha dogs uh, on that team. I think his leadership was tremendous. Uh, but what a character dude, you know, he's, he's going to go to law school and he's going to be a success I uh, I wouldn't want to be on the opposite side when he walks into no it's true because he's true because he's got that look yeah you know and he's a big guy he is he is I uh no I I I'm I, what a leader what a great leader I I've enjoyed getting to know him a little bit better this year always came up and shook my hand mm -hmm. always had time for a two minute conversation and uh, it just outstanding young man uh Stephen cash that'd be a good one i'm telling you um you know there's some things he needs to work on i think his fastball needs to to get a little more movement to it i think he needs to perfect his breaking ball because i think that's a work in progress um but i like his makeup and like i like i told somebody i said i'm not worried about his makeup because the dude's dad played for steve kitchell at South Alabama. So I got no question about the kids' makeup. Yeah, he uh, is somebody that you just you, you keep look at uh, and you're going, there's something there, there. You know, you can see it coming. Uh, Brendan Moody. You know, Brendan was one of those guys that you, you're hot and you're cold, you know. He, he pitched better than that 0-5 record indicates because yeah. he was a hard luck loser a couple, three times uh, during the year. Uh, but but he's a guy that, you know, I think can play an important role on this team. Consistency is the key for him. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit after the, the game on Sunday. I think he was going to start the next game. That's why he didn't come. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if there had been a second game, um, with Texas that night, I think he probably is on the bump. Um, Jerry Couch, a senior. Yeah, uh, blossomed late, um, but had some really good appearances down the stretch. 
I, I thought pitched with intent toward the end of the year and, um, and, and had a couple of uh, really solid performances. I think I, I like Jerry a lot. Um, and I liked his family. Yes. I had some, I was able to spend some time with uh, his dad in Miami. Very nice man. Um, the next guy is, uh, I think if you would have told Cajun fans at the beginning of the year that CJ Willis was going to be on the all conference tournament team, they were all looked at you and said, you're freaking nuts. But CJ Willis came up huge, especially at the end of the season. He did. Um, and, and I think you go back to that, uh, the, the series against Southern Miss and then uh, during the, um, during the conference tournament as well. CJ was one of those guys. Ask Matt Deggs how much he loves CJ Willis. All right. It, it, a great teammate. And everyone of the club, if you go up and you mention CJ's name, first thing's going to come out of their mouth. What a great teammate. Um, did whatever it took. Dude never had a bad day. Okay. He showed up at the ballpark every day, whether it was practice or a game. Came with his lunch pail, worked really hard, never showed a lot of emotion. Every once in a while, you'd see it. I think the last home run he hit, he kind of, you know, he certainly didn't pimp it, but, but there was a little bit of a bat flip. But he, but he saw, he celebrated it just a little bit. And good for him. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Another, another kid that, that comes from a great family. And um, his parents drove to Miami from Ruston. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, I've, I've 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 driven that from New Orleans. We went down for the 1983 Orange Bowl and drove there and back. I don't remember. I think we just spent the night and turned around and went back to New Orleans. Man, that's a rough ride. It is. Um, John Taylor. I'm not going to say he was the biggest surprise on this team because if you watched him in the fall, you knew that he was going to help the club. But I don't know that anybody said, well, he's going to drive in close to 50 runs for the Cajuns this year. He's going to be a great hitter with two outs. He's going to be a great hitter with men on base. And from the time Debo came back from his injury, John Taylor did not make an error the rest of the season. Uh, turned out to be a very good glove man for the Cajuns as well. Turned the double play well. Again, I... I don't think anybody's surprised that he had a good year, but I think he surpassed everybody's expectations. Expectations are going to be a lot higher for him next year. Absolutely. I, I uh, it, it was fun watching him play. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, he, when Kyle went out, he was at shortstop for a while. Then they tried him at third for a little bit. And then got the, once he got home at second, he was, he was just unbelievable, unbelievable glove. Um, uh, Great arm. And, and it's hard, okay, because this kid's from the, the, the Pacific Northwest, had no family here, had had nobody to, to support him day in and day out. Uh, now, a lot of folks adopted him before yeah. it was over with, but, but he had to come into a situation where he didn't know a soul uh, and still come out and perform, and he did. Like I said, expect expectations going to be pretty high for him next year. You mentioned him earlier, but uh, Kyle DeBarge. I think he's the alpha of all alphas. He is um, the, the leadership just exudes from him. And every time you mention his name, the first thing out of Matt Degg's mouth is he's going to play in the big leagues. I agree with that. I think he will. Um he put up some great numbers this year. I think without the injury, because I don't know that he ever was 100% after the injury. Without the injury, he probably hits 12 to 15 bombs. Um, you know, he went, when he came back, he went like 30, 25 games without an error. He made he made a couple at the end of the season. Um Batted close to 400 at the end of the season, too. Yeah, no, he's no, he's a dude. And it would have been easy for this team to fold down when Kyle went out. But going back to John Taylor stepping up and going back to, which a lot of people laughed at or made fun of, how many C's we had on the jersey. These guys 
wouldn't let one person going down stop them. No, they they really, really did a good job in his absence. Um, that if that kid has a, a totally healthy year next year, he'll not only will he be um, an all conference guy, but he might he'll he'll challenge for player of the year because he's that good. See where uh squat to, to left field, Connor Higgs. All right, here's the thing about Higgs. He's on the bench. Every time they call him off the bench, he tattoos the ball somewhere. Every time they put him in a starting lineup, he was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. And Matt would give him a start. It wouldn't work. So he'd go back to coming off the bench. And then there was a game where they put him in as a starter and he had two hits and he never got out of the lineup after that. Uh, Coach Degg said it was all about a confidence thing. Well, he's a confident young man now. You know, I don't know what's going to happen with him with the draft. I know that there are some teams that have shown interest, but they've only got about a half a season to to work with, kind of like it was with Julian Brock last year. And he's a draft-eligible sophomore, so he's got plenty of negotiating power. Um, I'm not going to make any predictions because, you know, that's between him and his family if he does get drafted. But, uh, boy, what a... What a hell of a second half of the year he had. Now he slumped toward the end. He had a he had a tough conference tournament. He had a tough uh, series at Southern Miss. Uh, he went through a period where he's like you know two for two for twenty or something like that. But um, but had a couple of big hits uh, during the regional. You know, half bat will hit. I mean that's what I think about with him. I mean, he just flat hit the ball. And he has played. I, I was a little shocked. He had an error in the last game, but has played a very no solid good defense. Solid. Yes. Very solid. Uh so caught yeah. the ball crashing into the wall in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Has been there, uh not afraid. Uh and uh and always with a smile on his face. He is one guy, you know, you meet him in the elevator and you're and I'm going like, okay, you look familiar, kind of like the way uh some of the ball players off when they take their hats off. But man, that cat, as soon as he smiles, Izzy Edwards, biggest smile that you could yeah, ever see. Yeah. Connor, uh, of course, Connor and I have a past because he tried to kill me during BP. Oh, that's right. His freshman <laughs> year. And so since then, anytime he sees me, he always comes up and says hello, as, as, almost as if to apologize one more time. But he apologized way too many times, but it wasn't his fault. I mean, I just happened to be in the wrong place in the wrong time and uh, got one of his line drives right in the kidney. It was great. Very nice young man. I, I I enjoy running into him uh, throughout the year. So um, let's move on to the seniors. So uh, start at center field, the man that kind of made it all go in, in a lot of ways, but very quietly, I think, in some ways. Yeah, we look upon him as a senior. Uh, he's not. Uh, oh, that's right. But But he might as well be. Okay, because he's, because he's he, played his last game. He has. Um, you know, Rocco was never 100% healthy all year long. You know, the wrist injury that he had toward the end of the year last year lingered throughout. And I think it, his power numbers came down as a result of it. But man, the dude can swing the bat. And defensively, as a center fielder, he's as good as the Cajuns have ever had. And, and I'm going to include Stephen Feehan and John Coker uh, in with that. That dude can flat play some center field. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, 40 years of watching Cajun baseball. Uh, I'm not saying he's better than anyone, but no, he's but as he's good. Right, he's right there. He's as good as anyone. Absolutely. Um, will they on? We started the season. In the fall, we heard he was only going to DH because his arm wasn't good. He, he's played through an injury the whole time he's been here. Will, if you go, if you went into that dugout and you said, you know, pick pick one guy, almost all of them would have picked Will. You know, a tremendous leader, tremendous leader. And I think that, you know, he would tell you that from a production perspective, it wasn't what he was looking for his senior season, he still had some big hits for this team, but what 
what leadership he brought to that club. He was probably the most vocal leader that the Cajuns had. Uh, it it was it was fun. I know a lot of people will say frustrating at times, but at the same time, the kid has so much heart and so much desire, and you can't take any of that away from him the way he played the game. I love his mom and dad, too. I was going to say, you know, we, we really didn't get to meet them until the end of the, the season end of last, last year. Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. But we got to know them well because they made a lot of trips this they year. made a lot of trips, outstanding people. Yeah, Mark and, and Michelle, fun, great fun, folks. And fun to have a beer around. Or 12. Yeah. Or 12, yes. Uh, good people. So thank you to them. Um, Heath Hood. Man, I tell you, when you look, I know he's a Texas boy, but man, you look in the dictionary at Cajun, the kid did flat out did it all. You know, he was good last year, okay? And as I said, you know, he he got offered, uh, he wasn't drafted, but he got offered a free agent contract, decided to come back. But man, you know, again, he was one that, Toward the end of the season, he went into a little bit of a slump. I think he was 0 for 17 or something like that. They dropped him to sixth in the lineup. When they did, the bat came alive again, and they wound up moving him back up. Um, but, gee, I mean, how many balls did, did we see him barrel up this year? And if you remember, about halfway through the season, we were talking about Heath, and I said, I'd like to see his slug go up. And it did because now then he started hitting balls in the alleys and uh, hit hit some out of the ballpark. He led the team in triples. Um, and who would have thought he'd have gone out and stolen thirty five bases? He has such little. I was talking with his parents. He has such little body fat that he continues to cramp up and need extra care on that side. You and know he, what? What is it? What is it? I mean. Running from the third base dugout to right field, though, isn't it like three miles during a game? Something yeah, like something that. like that. Something like that. He, uh, no, he, well, he had a great year, and you know, and I want I want to give props to Kevin and, and Robin because they didn't miss many games the last two years. I mean, they were on most road trips, uh, you know, out there supporting and and had the means to do it, which was great, but. Um, but but great folk and toward the end you know i would i would see kevin and um you know the end of the regular season came and i said we got another week and he'd smile and he'd say another week because look especially with the seniors there's a finish line and they were right on top of it and i knew they weren't ready for it to end and then after the uh after the conference tournament was over with uh, I went and and Kevin and I hugged and I said, I think we get another week. And then um, during the tournament is we get another day. And, you know, I, you know, for all parents, you know, it's, it's hard when it comes to an end, but, but I think Kevin and Robin were really at peace with it. I, you know, they had big smiles on their faces when it was over with and, uh, and they should because their son had a hell of a two years here. And one out on top and, and, you know, obviously not, not college world series on top, but as a player, a captain, all of the above. Well, and you know what, like, like I told Kevin, I said, he leaves here a champion because he's got a conference championship ring. So he leaves here a champion. And yes. Um, the guy behind the plate. Um. Not Brock Julian, Julian Brock. <laughs> I remember. Um, I don't know that I've ever been around a kid who was so happy all the time. You know, dude never had a bad day. Always had a smile on his face. Um, you know, we got to know that family very well. And uh, to the point where we've been a guest in their home. Uh, and I can't say that about any other Cajun baseball player ever. Um, but, you know, when the light bulb went on last year um, and it started to happen for him, it was like, okay, here we go. But I was reminded, and I had this conversation with his mother while we were in Miami, 
in fact, we were uh, we were we were out to dinner, and uh, there was I don't know, I don't know ten or eleven of us, but we were outside talking. He's the guy on this team that went through the death of his baseball coach uh, because he signed a couple of months before Coach Rowe passed away. And she talked a little bit about how devastated they were because as she put it, when we went in for the visit, she said, as soon as Coach Rowe was done talking, she said, I was done. I, I was done because I, and, and she, of course, he's the youngest of the three boys. She said, I knew my baby was going to be in good hands. And when, when he passed, they were crushed. And mom and dad said, you know, if you want to go someplace else and, and, and Julian said, no, no. After he met coach Deggs, he said, no, this is where I want to be. And so he, you know, he spends uh, all these years because the fall of 19 is when he joined this team. Um, and so, you know, props because he didn't have to stay. But he's the one guy on this team that went through what the fans went through. And it, um, and to this day, and I can tell you the other night, um, mom had a difficult time talking about all of that. You know, uh, it was it was a, a big, big blow to that family to lose Rove. But, you know, to to their credit, they stayed with it and they're reaping the benefits now. And Julian Julian's about to get rewarded, uh, just like Rocco is next month in the in the MLB draft. And I I hope he has a, a long and happy career. Um, but but I'm telling you, he might be the happiest ball player I've ever been around. And this guy caught almost every damn inning this year, you know, uh, and you'd ask him, you'd say, yes, he would admit, yes, I'm tired. Yes. Um, and at the same time, he didn't want to come out. So, you know, he didn't, he never went to to Deggs and said, I need a day off. The family is an amazing family when, when you get to know them or not, not when you get to know, but as, as we know, um, I forgot which morning it was before they had gotten into town. So it must've been, uh, uh, Friday morning, I was eating at the Cuban restaurant, and I text uh, Vivian. I said, "I'm at this Cuban restaurant, and I don't understand anything. I can't read the menu." I said, "I'm pointing to things. I'm not sure what I just ordered." So she got a lot. She got a kick out, and she goes, "Tell Julian to go with you next time." I'm like, "I'm not bothering your son, to, <laughs> so I can have somebody uh, an interpreter for me." Yeah, I um, and and. You know, Vivian's people, of course, are from Columbia. Uh, but one of Danny's brothers lives just north of Miami. And so she's been in Miami a lot. And of course, being bilingual, she was in her element now. Yeah. Okay. I, I think she might have spoke more Spanish than she did English the time she was in Miami. But um, what a wonderful family. Gonna gonna miss them. And at the same time, we didn't say goodbye because I don't think I, I don't think goodbye is part of it. I told Julian that his last game. At, at the tee, I said, I'm not done watching you play when this year ends. I said, I will see you somewhere, whether it's a minor league or a major league baseball park. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree. So, um, you know, a couple of other guys that did some, uh, had some contributions to uh, Ben Robichaux. You know, Ben... When they when they stuck him in the lineup for a good while, his his on base percentage was over five hundred. He hit a wall because scouting reports got out on him, which happens a lot with freshmen. And so he didn't play a heck of a lot, you know, in the last you know twenty games or so. But he's going to be a good one. Uh, you know, the thing with Robichaux is they have to find a place for him. Yeah, because defensively he was not ready. But. Um, you know, he's a, he's a five foot seven kid that can hit the ball out of the yard. There aren't a lot of those. Mason Zambo. Love that kid. Big kid. Love Strap him. First baseman that, that I, I, I don't know if he, if he was fully healthy, what we would have seen. Well, we're going to see it next year. I got yeah. news for you. Um, no, he wasn't totally healthy. 
but man, I love that kid. You know, his, his personality, his demeanor, um, he's just, he's just a good one. And, and I just hope he has one hell of a year next year because he's, he's a guy that I openly root for. It's, it's, um, I know we're losing a lot, but at the same time, I feel like there's a lot here still. All right. If that makes sense. Okay. Well, no, no, let's, let's do this. Okay. If you don't recruit one guy, not one guy, you've got Zambo, Taylor, DeBarge, Lejeune or Amade. You've got Higgs, Stelly, and Juhas. Oh. Now I'd go, I'd go play with those guys right now. Yeah. Now, the guys who were freshmen this year that maybe didn't get to see a lot of time, they're only going to get better. And there's a reason why they're on this ball club, because they're going to develop and have great futures here. No, look, we're losing good players, but the cupboard's not close to being bare. Not close. How good was Stelly the last two games? Oh, man, how great was that, huh? You know, it, it, we're, we're, in the, uh, we're in a weather delay before the main game. And I'm visiting with his mom and, and Ramona DeBarge. Okay. Yeah. The three of us are talking. And, and I said, uh, baby boy going to get a chance today. She said, I am so nervous. And I'm sure Caleb's nervous too. I said, no, he's not. Caleb's excited to go play. He's excited to get an opportunity. He's getting to play baseball today. He ain't nervous. And his first time up, he laces a base hit and drives in a run and uh, then when I saw mom after the game, I said, uh-huh. And she said, well, you were right. She said, but I was nervous. I said, I understand, mom. I understand. Uh, while we're talking here, though, we've had the A's game. Hogan Harris pitched earlier today. And I believe Hogan just picked up his first win of the season. Yeah, got his first major league win because he went five. Went five, started for the A's, uh, 9-5 victory for the A's. So congratulations to Hogan Harris. Yeah, uh, it was. Look, it was. I love day baseball. It when was you're at home. It was a joy to be able to see oh. him in person um, when that when they were uh, in Miami uh, playing the Marlins on that Friday, and uh, it, it was it was great. I'm glad that we were close enough to get his attention, and he came out and said hello after the game. Good to see Tiffany and yeah. and and Hogan's wife. Um, but yeah, I I'm. Uh, I couldn't be happier, man. I don't know if he recognized me right off the bat, but he, when I yelled Hogan, he could see a red shirt and a red hat, and his eyes lit up and and waved to me that he was coming over. Uh, it, that was, uh, and you know what? That's that was that was a big moment for our buddy Brad Topham. Yeah, because that's the first kid that he's coached that's made it to the big leagues. So that was that was a big deal for Top. It, 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 I, I was glad we were there. Even I though we too. missed his first inning. I am too. So um, I think I, I know we didn't go through everybody, but I, I think we got through the uh, the the main contributors and everything this year. There were some I, guys I will, that stepped up. I will. I will say this: I'm going to expand on one kid. Sure. Watch out for Luke Uhas. I'm just saying. I met his mom and dad and his uh, in Monroe at the game. Did not see them in Montgomery, but they were. Uh, his mom was at the regional, sat right in front of the radio booth. Uh, on on the he's he's got a chance now. I agree because he's athletic as can be. He can run. He's a good defensive outfielder with a really good arm, and he has frightening power. Anybody else since since I forgot to mention. Um, I'd almost need to see a roster, but, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to stop because we've talked about so many guys. I'll tell you the, 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 one of the things that really impressed me that I do want to mention, and that was the improvement of Jackson Nesif during the course of the year. He got lit up a few times early in the season, but he kept working. And when he got command of all of his pitches, he became one of the best players, one of the best pitchers in the Sunbelt Conference. He wound up winning nine games this year for the Cajuns. And I just, um, you know, I'm afraid we're not going to be able to hang on to him uh, because I think I think the draft is going to come call. Look, the scouts were drooling watching him pitch against Texas. Uh, but to see how far he came from the beginning of the year, here's a guy 
who wasn't getting a chance at Florida State because he walked too many people. He had an ERA of about eight. Well, he came here and he had an ERA of about eight also. But work while you wait, dude. Work while you wait. And he did and became one of the better pitchers in the league before the season was over with. Is this something we're going to see more of with the transfer portal in the sense of a kid getting buried on the bench that really has some talent, but the power five, I know it's not, it's not a baseball term, a football term. So don't start adding me on that, but a, a, a school like that, that's just not going to have the patience to let him come back. Yeah. You know, I think that, you know, you're taking a chance with those guys. Okay. Because the sample size is pretty small. Um, you know, they signed Nezu because they saw him at the Cape and, and didn't know a whole lot about him. And Seth, Seth goes up there and, and, you know, his job is to try to find a pitcher. Well, look what he found. Uh, and he wound up, you know, that, that wound up being a, a hell of a signing, but it's any, with all of those guys, you're taking a little bit of a chance because the sample size usually is very, very small. Um, but, you know, take a take a look at a kid like Blake McGeehee, who uh, who redshirted at Ole Miss. Well, season's about to start. He's the Saturday guy. Now, he was never completely healthy. And so they, they wound up having to shut him down, and, and hopefully he'll come back healthy next year. But here's a guy who never got a chance at Ole Miss, who could be a weekend starter for the Cajuns. He's, his stuff is good. His stuff's real good. Speaking of the Cajuns, Kyle DeBarge heads to the Cape for uh, the summer. I know, I know there's some other ones going, which I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hopefully I had the list by the end of the week. Yeah. Julian was supposed to go to the Cape. I don't know if he's still going to go or not, but he was scheduled to go up there for a couple of weeks before the draft. Okay. Uh, and, and still may, I don't know. I know that Julian also had a couple of workouts with major league teams scheduled for this week. And those got canceled because of the fact they were in a regional and, you know, he's he's going to take a, a little time to get his body back. Um, so I don't know if he's going to the Cape or not. I, I, I think that's kind of up in the air right now, but he was scheduled to do it. Okay, good. Well, we, I know we've got a lot. I know JT Etheridge was supposed to go somewhere, but the, the coaches want him here for the summer to work on his body and not overthrow and not get hurt. So uh, uh, we'll – Head in the right direction. I mean, I think uh, first at large bid in what? Ten years. Ten years. Okay. You went from, all right, they said it's Matt's fourth year. I don't count the COVID year. Okay, that's a wash. So Matt's third year. His first year, they had issues. They had issues in the locker room. He took care of all of that when the season was over with. His second year, they win the conference tournament. His third year, you got an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. Now, it would be naive for us to suggest that this team's going to be in a regional every single year. History tells you that's not the case. The biggest streak the Cajuns have had for regionals is four twice. Uh, so there are going to be years that you don't go to a regional. Um, there's room for improvement. You know, you don't, you would like to have a year where Instead of talking about, are you going to get in? They're talking about, are you going to be quite good enough to host? You know, that you would be a solid number two seed somewhere, I think is the next step. Um, but but this program is back where it needs to be. And, you know, I, I wish everybody knew Matt Deggs as, as well as you and I do. I, I, I really, I really wish that over 25 years, everybody got to know Rome. Okay. Um, I wish everybody knew Matt Deggs like we do. And I, I, I will say this, the man is driven. The man is focused. The man does a ton of research, a ton of studying. And um, he's, he's relentless. And he's not going to be satisfied until we get back to what he said the day that he was hired. Let's join hands and walk through the gates of Omaha together. That's the goal. It's always going to be the goal. Uh, it's a very difficult goal to reach when you're a team 
that in comparison to a lot of schools is underfunded, but he's a water hose boy. He is, he's a water hose boy. And um, he's not going to be told he can't. Don't tell him, don't tell him you can't do it, man. We talked about the head coach, but I think a lot of things that go, and I was, I was about ready to sign off, but at the same time, let's, let's, Zach LaFleur. Zach, look, I've always been a Zach fan, okay? You know, his mom was a great softball player um, at USL. And he's always been a tough-nosed kind of player that I've always liked. I know that he really has fit in with that staff. I know Matt loves him. Um, watched, watching him grow as a coach. I, it's like watching a player grow. And and we watched him grow as a coach this year. I I I think the guy's got a solid future in the game if that's what he wants to do. Um, Jake Wells is I don't know. He's the whole package, I guess. He's head coach material. Okay, absolutely. He belongs as a head coach in Division One, and he's going to get one of those jobs before too long. Honestly, I thought he had a shot to get the Southeastern job. They decided to go with Bobby Barbier over at Northwestern State. But um, if if not a head coach in Division One, then probably a top assistant at a big school is going to be his next step. I would love to say we're going to keep him here forever. We're not, nor should we, okay? Because he's, um, he's a big, big-time talent, I think. Um, you know, Seth has drawn some criticism from fans because he isn't a quote pitching coach unquote. But when these kids go out and throw gems, who the hell you think has been calling the pitches? So he's shown that he can. Okay. And on top of that, having been a head coach, he brings so much to the table. And, um, you know, I think, I think he's perfect for Matt Deggs because there's a little yin and yang. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and and those guys aren't easy now. No, they coach hard, and um, but I I've enjoyed the two years that Seth has been here, and I uh, I hope I hope he's here for, until he gets his next head coaching job. He's great to talk with. Oh my gosh, yes. He sat the, that first night with us in the lobby and just chatted baseball. He like uh, we were sitting around the bar, you know, while we the, were sitting around. The, 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 you know, Seth when you get him away from the ballpark is a very soft spoken guy. And I remember the first conversation I had with him, I went, you know, I just walked in unannounced and Matt had somebody in his office. So I walked down and, and I saw Seth and I said, coach, can I bother you for a minute? He said, Oh, come in. We talked for an hour and a half. And um, boy, he knows a lot about this game. My goodness. He really knows a lot about this game. Um. I think one guy that gets overlooked a lot now because of his role, but Anthony Babbitt. Man, if you ever want to know the hardest work in man and show business, follow Bab along during the course of the season. Especially when you're in a situation where tomorrow is unknown or or your day doesn't go according to your schedule. You know, to travel, meals, scheduling, you talk about a full-time job. He probably put in as many hours as anybody during that tournament. And on top of that, I got to have him in the booth with me for away games this year. Um, I knew he'd be really good, and he was. But it's, you know, the, the inning's over and he's on his phone <laughs> getting something done, you know. I, um, I've i always been amazed at everything that's on that guy's plate. And he manages to get all of it done. You realize we get selected for an at-large, okay? It's Monday at noon. We're leaving Wednesday. He's got to line up the charter. He's got to line up the manifest. And then they come to him and say, okay, add this person, add this person, add this person, add this person, and, and do it. And he's getting last minute stuff. 
and he's got to line up bus transportation. He's got to line up everything. I don't think I'd want his job. I love I love the game, and I'd love to be close to this program, but I don't think I could do his job. Absolutely. I'd agree. probably do a better job as a coach than I would at this, at what he does. Absolutely. His attention to detail is amazing. I think we're lucky to have somebody like that. Yeah. yeah and I think are. we've got it on the football stock side with Troy Winger. Oh, we do. Uh, we do. It's just, it, it's, we're lucky to have those two. Yeah, we really are. Now, here's the, the one guy we didn't mention because everybody overlooks him. Never underestimate Carter Munchrat's oh. knowledge of the game of baseball. I've had conversations with him, and that kid knows the game. Now, here's Carter Munchrath was a manager. Okay, he was he was a, a, a clubhouse manager. But when he got his degree, Matt Deggs created a position for him because he meant that much to Matt. And you know, there have been some things that have happened during the season where you give the coaches kudos. Come to find out, it was Carter who noticed it. So. He's another guy, I think, that has a future in coaching if that's what he wants to do. You're absolutely correct there. I, I, I was talking with his parents uh, after he graduated. And, right. And, and they were trying to get him to, to go back to be a grad assistant, but he had no desire whatsoever to, do, to go back to school. And the funny part about it is it, he's very good with all these numbers and everything. And like you said, notices things that we normally wouldn't see on the ball field or with the, with a player or with the opposing team, uh, just a, a total asset to the, uh, the community and the, uh, and the programs. So. Yeah. And, and, and if during this, we left anybody out, we apologize. Yes. Um, we're winging a lot of this. Yeah, we really I are. Want, I wanted it to be, I want it to be raw. I want it to be unscripted and, uh, I bounced around a little bit. So, uh, hopefully everybody gets something out of this. But any last words of wisdom before we sign off? Well, I I didn't give you any wisdom during this entire thing. Um, we talked baseball. That's wisdom. We did. Well, well, it's fun. Uh, yeah, here's here's one last thing. Every year before the draft, I would ask Tony, I said, are there any guys that you've signed that maybe we should keep an eye out for? And it's so funny, his his last recruiting class, I asked him that question. And he said, the only guy that we're worried about losing is Julian Brock. Yeah. Okay, that that which ought to give you an idea of how much they thought of him from the very beginning. I think that I'm gonna find out a little bit more in the next couple of days, but I think there are as many as four or five or six guys that conceivably could get drafted during this draft that have signed with the Cajuns. So that tells me they're recruiting extremely well. And um, I, I, I can't wait to see the, the, the incoming crop in the fall, because if the draft doesn't get you, I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot of new talent that's going to make a big impact in this program. Even if the draft gets us a little bit, I will say this, never underestimate Matt Diggs. Oh, no. <laughs> Amen to that. Thanks for Jay. Thanks for the season. Uh, we'll talk hopefully next week or the uh, soon with uh, Danny. We'll finish up Sunbelt baseball. Uh, best of luck to uh, everyone at Southern Miss. Uh, Boy, you know what? I just found a whole new group of idiot ass has asshole fans. You want me to sing Rocky Top for you? Oh, oh geez. <laughs> okay. What there are some there are some folks that have said some stuff on social media that are Tennessee fans that make me wonder if they graduated grammar school. Some of the stuff I've seen is so stupid. Okay. Well, on that happy note, we'll call it a day. Uh, I'm just glad they're not coming to Lafayette. Yes. Uh, well, we found that out about Mississippi State when we hosted them. Yeah, although Ole Miss, for some reason, was better. Yeah. You know, but but yeah, yeah, we did. 
All right. Jay, thanks for the season. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, to talk baseball with you. Always fun. Let's do it again. I guess the next uh, podcast we do is bourbon, huh? We'll be doing it. Well, hopefully we'll be doing, uh, uh, we'll, well, I shouldn't say wrapping up. Just say yes. Yes, we'll be doing bourbon. Okay. All right. All right. All right. You've been listening. We're talking. We've been talking baseball. Raging Cajun baseball with voice of the Cajuns, Jay Walker. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.